Good morning, LifePoint. We are thrilled to have you joining us online this morning, and we can't tell you how much we miss you in person, but we are missing you like crazy. So there's a few things that we're going to be doing this next coming week. First of all, we're going to be giving away rolls of toilet paper. That's right. On Monday, you can swing by the church and pick up some toilet tissue. You can give it to a neighbor or you can pick some up for yourself, whatever it is that you need, because I know those grocery stores are getting a little bit crazy about the toilet paper. Now, also what we would like for you to do. Now, I don't know if everyone has a Facebook page, but if you don't, we would like for you to create a Facebook page and go on to LifePoint Church and like it because we are going to be going live and we're going to be doing some prayer throughout the week and we want you to be a part of that because you know what? No matter where we are geographically, we are still the church and we are still a family. So join us there so that we can interact. We can also get your prayer requests. We can understand more about your needs. We would love for you to do that so we will be interacting with you this next week. Now this morning, please welcome Pastor George. Hey, LifePoint. Um, today, in light of the coronavirus, we're going to be putting on pause the Time to Dream campaign, and I'm going to be doing a series that I'm calling Walking uh, with God Through Uncertainty. And, and just to let you know something, I, I'm going to walk with God uh, with, uh, through uncertainty with my colorful vans this morning. Uh, we need to kind of get back to normalcy. And so though I'm doing this through video, I'm still wearing my Hawaiian shirts. My guess is you're probably in your PJs and you haven't brushed your teeth yet, which I'm glad we're doing this through the internet if that's the case. But anyway, today we're going to be starting a new series, like I said, called Walking with God Through Uncertainty. And we're going to be focusing in on Psalms 23, which is one of the most popular chapters of the Bible. It's a, a chapter that brings a lot of comfort. It's a chapter about God's character and his goodness uh, uh, to us as we walk through various shadows. And this coronavirus, this COVID-19, as they call it now, it's just a shadow. It appears to be scary, but in reality, it's, it's not, okay, in one sense. Because it's, it's going to be here today, and it's going to be gone tomorrow. But we're going to focus in on God's character. And this morning, we're going to take a look at His goodness, now, as adults, a lot of times we say this, that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. When we were children uh, around the table, we would say grace, and we would say, God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And then, as adults, I would say, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, God, right? Okay? But we oftentimes referred to God being a good God. Now, here is my question. Is God really good all the time, especially as we're experiencing a worldwide pandemic, and some people are dying. People are being laid off. Is God really good when we're uh, experiencing pain and suffering, when we're going through chaos and conflicting times? Is he good, always good, when we are feeling maybe discouraged and depressed? Well, David said this in Psalms 105, 
The Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind. And his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. In other words, God never changes. He, he, he is eternal. And he is a good God all the time. How is that possible? How is that possible for my life and your life today with what we're experiencing in our world? Well, in these next several weeks, we're going to be focusing in on the character of God. This morning, we're going to take a look at the goodness of God. But uh, the goodness of God. But we're going to be able to walk through this uncertainty, not because of who we are, but rather because of who God is. Today, I just want to ask two questions. The first one being, what happens when I forget who God is? And secondly, what does God do for me when I am walking through uncertainty? Now, one way that you can begin to understand this God in whom we, 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 we love is not just by reading the Bible and not just by uh, listening to this message, though both of those things are good, but rather through worship. Now, why is worship so important? Because worship is the antidote to worry. When we begin to worship, what happens is God becomes larger than life. And our fears go down and we begin to see the goodness of God. In Psalms 34, verse 9, I was going to share this in the, the Time to Dream series, but it said this, Worship God if you want the best. I, I don't know anyone right now in our world that doesn't want the best. Because worship opens doors to all of the God's goodness. Worship opens doors to his goodness. Why? Because as we worship, our anxiety goes down and we begin to really see and understand that God is a good God all the time. So, what happens when we forget who God is. Well, there are four negative consequences, and you and I have to understand these consequences first so that we can avoid them. The first negative consequence, when we forget who God is, that he is a good God, is I start claiming credit for things that God did. For me, to me, through me, by me, and with me. When I begin to claim that credit, folks, I am beginning to go down a path that leads to disaster. Jesus tells a story of a rich man, you probably remember this story, who just kind of paused at a point in time of his life to just survey all that he had done, all the great investments that he made in the stock market. And he thought to himself, you know what, life is really good, look what I've accomplished, I'm going to build some bigger barns. And in that story, it says that God said to him, you fool, you are going to lose it all. Folks, that is a sober warning to be grateful for all that God has done. You see, if I were to ask you what the greatest sin is in the world, 
You might say, well, murder or adultery or abuse and all of those things, honestly, those are bad. But folks, it's not the worst. The worst is pride seen through being ungrateful. Pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. It is serious stuff to be filled full of pride and to think that all that, that we have comes from ourselves. One day in King Herod's life, he gave this great speech and the people said, that is the voice of a God, not the voice of a human being. And the Bible says because he didn't give credit to God that God brought death upon him through a disease. God didn't take him because he was immoral. He didn't take him because he lied or he stole something. No, he died because he was ungrateful. So let me ask us a question this morning. Who gave you what you have. You're probably sitting in your PJs, you're in your apartment or in your home in a comfortable place <laughs> with the weather going now, you may even have the air conditioning on. Who gave you what you have? God did. And all God is saying is this, I want you to, to, to be grateful for who I am. I am a good God. You may not realize this, but atheism is rooted in ingratitude. Romans 1, verses 20 and following say this, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. In other words, be grateful. And they began to think of foolish things or ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. When you look at a body, when you look at a newborn baby's body, when you look at your own body, you can't deny the, the, the existence of a design. And where there is a design, there must be a designer. When you look at the beauty of creation, every time I go to Colorado, I just love it because it helps me to realize, God, you have created a beautiful world. And where there is creation, guess what? There must be a creator. This is the cosmological argument for the existence of God. It is one of the six arguments for the existence of God without using the Bible. And people begin to slide into unbelief, not because of unbelief, but because they are ungrateful. God wants you and I to remember who he is, that he is a good God. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 4 and 7. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you are so great and as though you accomplished it all on your own? God is a good God. And as we like to say, 
He is good all the time. The second consequence of forgetting who God is as we walk through times of uncertainty is this. I stop asking God for help. You see, what happens is that we forget how eager God is to answer our prayers. And why is that? Because oftentimes in a crisis, we think if it's going to be, it's going to be up to me. And yet the Bible tells us over and over again, ask. Ask and it'll be given to you. In fact, 20 times in the New Testament, we are told to ask. When we forget how eager God is, what happens to answer prayers is that we begin to stop praying and talking to God on a regular basis about our needs. In fact, when we forget that, even though we might remember little bit in our minds, our prayers become wimpy and they become weak because we don't ask God for specifics. And again, why is that? It's because we think if it's going to be, guess what? It's up to me, okay? We're not trusting God. So here's the question. How do you grow in trust? How do you learn trust? Do you trust God more today as a result of the COVID-19 than you did six months ago? If not, what that may communicate to you is that you're not asking God for specific things. You see, this is how it works. The more you and I ask God for specific things, the more God meets our needs in specific ways. And the more God meets needs specifically in our life, the more we trust God. It's just the same way a child and a parent are in a trusting relationship with one another. Step one of a child is they see and recognize an unmet need in their life. Step two in that relationship is that child expresses that need through crying or yelling or throwing a tinter tantrum. And then step three is that the parent meets that need. And guess what? That happens thousands upon thousands of times in a parent-child relationship. That cycle is the same type of cycle of God teaching us to trust him. If you're not asking God to meet your needs, then guess what? You're not going to learn to trust God in specific critical situations. So when was the last time you came to God and you declared to him first, who he is, and then told him your need, and then said, God, I'm submitting it to you. God, you are a good God. I need your help. Meet my need. I trust you. Now, God asks us to do that in the little things and in the big things. And as we talk with him about our needs, God says this, I want you to wait for my answer. 
A lot of times God has to do a miracle over here and do a miracle over there and bring those two together. And oftentimes when we are asking God to meet specific needs in our life, delay is built in to that request. He doesn't always answer it immediately. Now, why does he do that? Because he is wanting us to grow up. He is wanting us to mature and grow in our faith. If he gave us things that we asked for specifically, immediately, we would be self-centered little brats, okay? And God doesn't want that for our life. He wants you and I to grow up just like he wants, just like we want our children to grow up. We want them to grow up to be mature individuals who not just think of themselves, but think of other people. Now, our response to when God says, not yet, is a metric on the maturity of your life. Let's just say this. A child comes to their dad and says, Dad, I want to go to Disney World. Bet you that's happened in the families here. And dad says, yes, we're going to go, but not yet. And, and the child hearing that throws a tinter tantrum. That would be an immature response to that delay. You see, delay doesn't mean denial. And God says, I want you to grow up, and I want you to understand that I am going to be doing some really neat things in your world and in you, but you must understand first that delay is not denial, that I am a good parent and I will give you what you need at just the exact time that you need it. Take a look at Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Jesus said this, if you as imperfect parents know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, I, I want to be honest with you. Even as pastors, we forget about praying to God about things. When crises come, boy, I'm one who gets really focused. Okay, we've got to get this done. Leadership is defined in a crisis, and you just put the pedal to the metal, and you go for it. And sometimes, even as pastors, we exclude things. We experience this. When I say we, Dennis and I experienced something of this when we left to go to Cameroon, Africa. He came by my house, and he picked me up in his red Ford truck, which stands for fix uh, uh, or repair on a daily basis, right? That's a Ford. But I, because he picked me up, I left my keys at home. And so we parked the car at remote parking or his truck at remote parking. We get in a shuttle bus and we get to the airport. And while we are there, I tell Dennis, I just feel naked not having my car keys in my pocket. And so Dennis checked as a result of that comment, he checked his backpack to make sure he had his keys and they weren't there. He immediately prayed, God, find my keys. He called up the shuttle company that took us from the remote parking to the airport and the driver, on a rare case, searched the vehicle and found the keys in the crack of a, of a seat. Wow. 
When you ask God to meet needs and he meets those needs, your trust grows. And as your trust grows, here's the deal. You will even become more bold in asking God for specific things. Take a look at Hebrews 4, 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our good and gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find his grace to help us when we need it. What's God's motivation for doing that? Well, David tells us in Psalm 69, verse 16, answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. You see, God's motivated to answer our prayers, to show us the kind of God he is, that he is a good God and that he is good all the time so, and, and that we can see his love for his kids. The third negative consequence that happens when we forget who God is, when we walk through times of uncertainty, is this, I stop trusting God in difficult times. If we really understood who God really is, we would make God our first choice as opposed to our last resort. So often in a crisis, the last person to be called into that situation is the pastor. We've, we all know the story, don't we? <laughs> oh, well, we've tried everything else. I guess we ought to call the pastor and ask him to pray. Uh, the last resort, we can at least pray. Folks, if we understood who God really is, we would make him our first choice. This is what David said in Psalm 16, verse 1 and 2. Protect me, God, because I trust in you. You are my Lord, and every good thing I have comes from you. Don't forget that. Trust in him as your first line of defense and not your last resort. Now, why? Because even through difficult, uncertain times, God is doing good things, and most of the good things that he is doing is in you. Take a look at what Paul says in Romans 5, verse 3. We can have joy even in our troubles because we know that these troubles are good for us, producing patience and character and hope. You see, when things look uncertain on the outside, and you don't know what's coming or going, you can still have joy because God is doing some neat things inside of you. He is producing a patience and love and character and true hope. Truly, even in bad times, God is a good God. And he has good plans and he has a good purpose and he has good reasons for what he is allowing and doing. And part of that is what he is doing in you. And so I just say this, when those uncertain times come, just say to God, God, I know that you love me. And I know that you're doing some good stuff. Yes, in the world that I don't see right now, but I know that you're doing some really cool things 
inside of me. The famous promise out of Romans 8, 28, we all know this, I'm sure, says this, and we know. It doesn't say we guess or we think or it might be. No, it says we know that in everything God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his good purpose. Will you circle that phrase, for the good, not for the bad. God's doing it for the good. Now, obviously, there are some things in this world that are not good, but God is working those things to bring good out of them. Anybody can bring good out of good. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to bring good out of good, but it takes God to bring good out of the bad and the ugly. And that happens in you. He is producing in you some cool things in the way of your faith. Now, one other negative consequence that you and I need to avoid when we are going through times of uncertainty is this. We've got to be aware of pessimism about the future. In uncertain times, we can start claiming that if it's going to be, it's up to me. <laughs> we take the credit. Or we can stop asking God for specific things. Or we can stop trusting God in difficult situations. But the fourth negative consequence is that we can become pessimistic as we look to the future and not be faith-filled. In other words, what I'm saying is that you and I can lose hope. You see, true hope, there's different types of hope. I've talked about this. There's kind of that wishful hope. Oh, I hope I win a million dollars in the lotto. Well, good luck, okay? If if and nuts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Then there is a certain hope that's kind of based in reality, okay? I mean, uh, you know, I'm hoping that spring is on its way. Well, guess what? It's come every year, and my guess is that's Pretty realistic hope. But then there is a hope that is based in the character of God that never changes. And that hope is a certain hope. And if God is not a good God, and he is, but if he's not, folks, we have no basis of hope whatsoever. Now, David said this in uncertain times in his life. Psalms 27, 13, and 14. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Stop right there. He's saying there would be no hope if God was not a good God. Each and every one of us would be up a creek without a paddle, folks, if God was not the God uh, uh, who he is and a God who doesn't change. David goes on and he says, instead I thought, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Two times David says, wait for the Lord. Yes, wait for the Lord. What does he mean by that? Simply this, don't be in a hurry. 
Know that delay does not mean denial. Have you ever been in a hurry for God to answer your prayers right now? God, I just can't wait for Mr. and Mrs. Mr. or Mr. or Mrs. Right. I'm just going to marry this person because they're right in front of me. Don't do that. God, I got to have that new car right now. Don't don't be in a hurry. God, I'm just going to go ahead and use my credit card. Most of our problems come from our inability to delay gratification. I want it, and I want it now. Guess what that's called? That's called immaturity. (laughs) And babies are like that. Why? Because babies don't have a long-range view. They are pessimistic about the future. David said, I would have despaired. Now, church family, we don't know how long this COVID-19 is going to last, where we're not going to be able to meet together face-to-face, hugging one another, praying for one another, holding each other's hands. We don't know how long it's going to take. We're going to be doing church, like I said, right, right here, this way. And over time, you might get depressed. You might get discouraged. You might have doubt. You might have despair. Let me say this to you. If you missed my video on the update of LifePoint Church on COVID-19, I want to let you know this again. I promise that I will walk through this with you and that we at LifePoint will do five things. One, you will not walk through this alone. We will be communicating with you on a daily basis. Number two, we will keep you spiritually healthy where you are in tune with God. In fact, you can pick up devotionals uh, at the church, the open doors that we were going to do in the Time to Dream campaign, one per household while supplies last. You can pick those up now. Three, we promise that if you get sick, we will serve you. We will scramble to the bottom and we will lift you up. Number four, we will continue to worship as a church. It is important that you and I create routines, though they may be new, new routines that bring stability to our life. And so we will be worshiping every Sunday at 1030, and it will be live, sort of, okay? So we promise that. And then fifth, we will help you love your neighbor, We have bought a case, cases of toilet paper. It's just a fun idea. But we want you to come by and get a couple of rolls with a note that we're going to have starting Monday where you can pass out and go to your neighbor, knock on the door and say, we're just praying for you. Here's some toilet paper. And by the way, we want to invite you to church online. We could actually see our church double in size by doing that. So this is what... We promise you from LifePoint Church, and I will walk with us through this uncertain time. Now, let me give you just a couple of pieces of advice. The first one is this. 
Start focusing on the ways that God has been good to you. Right now, just begin. Every day, write down a few of the things of God's goodness towards you. It may be you personally. It may be your family. It may be our church. It may be the world that we live in. Just start writing them down. And secondly, don't miss church 1030 next week as we go semi-live and we'll be responsive to your needs during that service. Because during these next weeks, I'm gonna be dispensing a lot of hope for all of us, which is this. Will you write this down? Hope is holding on, praying expectantly. Hope is anticipating God's goodness. It's holding on and it is praying with anticipation how God is going to answer that prayer. God still has dreams, though we're not going through the Time to Dream campaign. God still has dreams for your life. And a COVID-19, folks, it doesn't stop them. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. His dreams for you don't change just as a result of the circumstances that the world is walking through. God's plans for you are good, to give you hope, and to give you a bright future. Why? How do we know that? Because hope is tied to God's character. And as you and I know God's character over these next weeks, folks, our hope will be firm. David said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. So, number one, start writing down all the blessings, all God's goodness towards you. Number two, I want you to read Psalms 23, and in the rest of your outline, write these nine points down. It's only going to take a couple of minutes. Number one, because God is good, he will meet my needs when I'm worried. Psalms 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Number two, he will teach me to relax when I am stressed out. Psalms 23, 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. That is a metaphor for peace and tranquility. So often, God wants to teach us to relax. Most of us burn the candle at both ends and we're not as bright as we think we are, okay? Number three, he will replenish my strength when I am empty. In other words, he wants us to regain balance in our life. My guess is one of the things that's going to, that is happening right now is that families are beginning to bond again with one another during this turbulent time because guess what? The kids are home. <laughs> We're empty nesters, so that's one of the many blessings that we have, okay? Uh, but Psalms 23, he restores my soul. Try, another translation, he gives me new strength. The fourth one is that he will guide me when I am confused. Any chaos and confusion going on in our culture right now? <laughs> my guess is that there is. He says this, he guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. 
The fifth thing, he will walk with me in my dark and fearful days. As I like to say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Psalms 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And then number six, he will protect me when I feel insecure. This is where the psalmist talks about your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A staff guides and gives rest. And a rod protects and shows and is symbolic of God's love. And then number seven, he will publicly show his favor on my life. Psalms 23, five, you prepare a banquet for me in front of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You see, here's the deal. If you are a part of God's family and you have trusted in Christ, you've dropped him from your head into your heart where you are a follower of Christ, you are special. You are a special child of God, and he has promised that he will abundantly bless you. The eighth thing, he will be good to you no matter what happens. Psalms 23, 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And then the last one, and this is the neat one, is that he'll take us home to be with himself one day. Psalms 23, 6, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are the needs that God says he'll meet as you and I begin to understand who he is. Today, he is a good God. Where can you get all these needs met in one place? Nowhere. The government can't meet them. You can't meet them for yourself or your family. There's only one place that all these things can be met, and that is in Jesus Christ. And he described himself in John 10 as our good shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you are a good God, and you are a good God all the time. I thank you for those small little prayers that we had while we were even kids, that God is great and God is good. Thank, let us thank him for our food. God, you're good, and you're good all the time, and you are the one who is our provider, and you are our protector, and you are the one that leads us and guides us, and we look to you, God, rejoicing and giving thanks for who you are. And we thank you that you are this way from generation to generation. And we want to worship you, God. We want to worship you for who you are, not for who we want you to be, not for some genie in a bottle. We want to worship you for who you are. And God, you have declared to us this morning that you are a good God. We thank you for that, God. Will you just talk to God about what you need and will you give him thanks for who he is? Jesus, we give you this. In your son's name we pray, amen.